So, welcome everybody to the very first The Doodle podcast of 2020. Yay! Yay! This is really exciting. The voice in the background that's not mine that you hear is a good friend of mine who has got a very successful community business in Spinner's Mill in Lee called Umbrella Arts. She's been an advocate for community arts for the past 10 years and has gone from Little Scribbles, which was facilitating after-school clubs and school clubs in the Lee and Wigan area, and now has her own successful business doing similar and more. So welcome, Wendy Boyers. I got your surname in there just just before you started talking. <laughs> so uh, yeah, hello. Nice to um, be be part of it, really, and exciting to be the first person. That means a lot to you, right? Yeah. Honestly. No, it doesn't. Well, no, it does actually, yeah, because it does. if it wasn't for Umbrella Art support and for Wendy's support and the the other people that work um, with Wendy. This podcast wouldn't be happening. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be smiling right now at the possibilities of 2020. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I mean, I can't be, I can't be thankful enough of, of the support that I've received over the past, um, past few months. Um, it's, it's definitely helped me get to a point where I can be sat here doing this right now. It's all right, dude. I know. Well, you're welcome. Gotta thank you, Anna. I'm it's a one thing that I, I do. Um, because it's been raised, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. Not all about you, though. I did mention the others. I can mention <laughs> yeah. Gemma and Beth and Lindsay. Lindsay. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, you know. I, no, no. We're, we're, yeah, because we're, we're all past the team. Yeah. You've all helped me greatly over the past six months. No, it's not been that long. Three months. It's been three months since I was uh, in this van on Plank Lane. Contemplating, um, contemplating my my demise, yeah. and then since then um, I've done nothing but grow and be more happy and content with possibilities, creative possibilities. The whole idea is we're in Doodle the van. Um, yeah. We're in. Oh. Where are we? Three sisters. We're in three sisters. Oh, these are fancy pens. Yeah. Uh, we're in three sisters. Um, in Ashton Makefield in Wigan, in Lancashire. Okay. Is it a nice park? It's, There's a lake. It's a beautiful park. It was, uh, it's what used to be the pit in Ashton. Okay. And, uh, the Three Sisters was named after the three slag heaps. Okay. What? From when it was closed? From when, no, when it was open. Okay. So it was when it, the soil that was excavated out of the uh, ground for the mine pit shafts. Right. Um, and that was piled up into three piles, three slag heaps. Okay. And they were called, nicknamed the Three Sisters. So when all it got leveled off and refilled in and stuff like that, that's why right. it ended up being called. But it's a nature reserve. There's right. Lakes and. Um, You're going to go and have a walk in a bit. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. Um, but there's also a racetrack, which is a bit weird. Um, but there's um, a car racetrack as well in the middle of it all. Right in the middle of an industrial estate, which sounds like it wouldn't be so chilled out and a nice place to come for a walk, but it it, it is truly beautiful. I'll uh, report back in a minute and let everyone know on the video whether it was or not. Um, but basically, we've now managed to get one of the mics working. Transpires that it's the USB wire. Um, we've got to, we've got to tell this information because it's really important. No idea what's going on with the camera. I'm trying to set this up as well so that um, we can record the doodling, but this will not fit in here. So, so this, so basically, we're just going to record everything and I can clip everything yeah. out. Keep the best bits. Keep all the best. In fact, it's all going to be best bits. We know this, but this is all part of the whole prepping up. And now I know, you know, we've hit a snag and now I know how to resolve that little bad boy. But primarily, the reason I'm wanting to do these podcasts is I want to sort of increase my knowledge base of what is happening in the UK around community arts um, and how people are making an impact. Plus, talk to artists and find out what it means to be an artist in this new modern social media driven world, which I struggle with. 
Um, and the whole idea is that we just sit doodling and, and kind of chat about what's going on. And so What's the um, plan? What I'd got on the list was basically just chatting about what you're up to. I mean, you've obviously picked a day that you don't have in work now in 2020. So it's just about chatting about what you're up to and why you want to be part of this podcast. Uh, okay. Because I asked nicely. Because you asked nicely. Yeah. Do you think it's a valuable thing I to know. do, Wendy? I've, see, I've seen you ex- so excited about this over months. Right. Um, and yeah, I do think it's valuable. Okay. I don't waste my time on things that are not valuable. And you ask that doodling. Do you see value in doodling? Absolutely see value in do- doodling, That's yeah. good to hear, given that I'm trying to build an entire career on it. Yeah, And that's what I'd, I'd, I'd obviously like everyone to say. Is it cosy, though? Are you enjoying the coziness of the van? Do you mm. like it? I do, yeah. Different, right? Hopefully I do wonder if, you know, with the, with the things being laid down like a bed, things. If anybody, uh, what things? The, the chairs, yeah. it looks a bit weird. You know, if somebody walked past and... and it, it Should looks... we really be concerned about other people um, at this moment in time? Well, there's nobody. It's quite um, quiet anyways, but... Well, this is why we picked this, right? Yeah. This, this place, because it's quiet. That is one of the stipulations. It does, it does look funny. Funny ha-ha or funny peculiar? Funny peculiar. Okay. Not, not that that's a bad thing, because I quite like funny peculiar. Right. You just asked the question. So I did, fun. and it's a good answer. I like your answer. So what I'm sensing already from this first podcast is this is just going to go everywhere, this conversation, and it's not necessarily going to be about, about anything serious. Although, because I, I, I think I've asked a couple of questions that are serious, and we've just gone off and talked about chairs and can we just discuss M&Ms for a second? <laughs> just, just for anybody else that wants to involve themselves in a podcast, don't bring crunchy. No, you can't. Don't be a fool. <laughs> Honestly. So now I'm getting a sense that I'm going to end up with some feral guests that I might have to just 100% cut feral out. Guests. Feral That's, guests? Feral guests. Is that what I am? Number one feral guest? Not number me. one feral guest. Bringing me M&M's crunchy sweets to a yeah. podcast. Oh, the coffers are right over there and would I can't like, get them. Would you like me to pass Can you not bang stuff, Sorry. though? I know. I, I, just didn't, I just didn't think. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's probably only just drinkable, you know. No, it's fine. We're not going to... I don't mind. You did what? I don't mind. Oh, that's all right then. Cause, yeah, because good. you had time. I was busy sorting this lot out. Oh, that's not comfy. I'll have to go back there. Well, if you take your shoes off, you can put your feet up on there. That's why I did it. Ah, uh, I see. That's better. I know. Well, you, I, well, I didn't think I was allowed to do that. Well, you only oh, have yeah. to ask. Let, let's, um, let's do that then. Um, okay. Um, yeah, so go on. That's, ask me some questions then. No, it's not an interview. This is a conversation. I actually wanted start to with, say this to you as well. Start with something. No, I don't mean as in it's an interview. I mean as in, as in a conversation. We start yeah. with questions, don't you? You're allowed to ask me questions too. Um, why do you want to do this? I think it's I think it's important. I think the conversations I'm having in my life with artists and non-artists and people that um, are benefiting from services like yours at Umbrella Arts, I think it's really important to have these conversations with a with a larger audience. I suppose I've not introduced myself really, though, have I? So anybody listening wouldn't know. No, this is just us chatting away. We can do all kinds of things in an in an after this. Okay. So I can chop and change, but like I said, this is just just a conversation, just to make sure that you know we're comfortable in the space. Yeah, no, it's comfortable. It is cozy. It's yeah. Couldn't use the banner though. That's um, do you know? Do you know what? I f- I think we could probably use mm. that le- that last bit of that material, mm. the banner material, and I think your banner that you no, yeah, to put there, but I think your banner that you've already made. Could go um, on the van on the outside. Yes. When I'm recording. Yes. That's what I thought. Yes. Great yeah. minds think alike. They absolutely do. It won't be wasted. And no. then people look at it and go, oh, right, what are you doing? And then that, then that mm. will um, satisfy some of that curiosity of what's going on, what are they doing in that van? Yeah, but and you don't, you don't want some, somebody banging on the window halfway through a recording <laughs> going, what are you doing? Can I see what you're up to in your van? Yeah, you don't want that, because that could possibly happen. That'd be quite funny. Would it really? Halfway through recording. If, if we had someone knocking <laughs> it on the window now, right, actually, and go, what are you doing? And I'd be like, come in, what do you think of that? It'd be in, 
be interesting to okay. have those new in um, conversations and interactions. Um, so, why is it important to get those um, uh, conversations from other people then? So, why, why, what are you going to do with all this information? It's going to be all over the all over iTunes. It's going to be on Anchor. It's going to be on all the other podcast platforms. So, anybody can download it and listen to it, or you know, stream it. What do you um, want to get out of it? What do, what do you want the listener to get out of it? I want them to be informed about what's happening in community arts. I want them to be informed in, in, in what the struggles are being an artist now. Because we, we all understand how many artists and how many creatives and how many illustrators and how many graphic artists and you know graphic designers and web developers are out there. How we, how, and it's, it's just so difficult to, to get into any industry and, and become somebody that's inspiring become somebody that is um you know uh, an influencer in in that area because there is so many and i want to find out how people are doing it you know i've got quite a few artist friends that live all around the uk and they're all at different levels of of you know the creative field and i want to collate that data collate that information for people to to hear and understand I've got a podcast on Friday with a good friend of mine, Andy, um, you know, um, and he, he, he hasn't gained traction as an artist and his work is phenomenal. It is exceptional. But when we're all dealing with mental health challenges, it's even more difficult because all you see are these amazing artists out there that, are, that are, you know, they're getting great contracts and they're holding it together and so you know do you feel I mean? intimidated by people who are receive success in their field no no it's inspiring but 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 you, you can't help but feel a, a level of anxiety about the amount of work that's involved in in getting to that level i think you have to be um a unique individual to have the level of success of some of the artists that that you know we all we all aspire to be mm-hmm. you have to be and you know, um, as far as I'm concerned, you have to be at it like 24 seven. You have to be, yeah. You have to be on social media. You have to be relentless in promoting yourself. Not a lot of us I are happy to do that. Suppose, do you think that kind of puts you on a, a back foot for success? Well, well, it depends what your definition of success is. Uh, what's your level? What's your definition of success? My day job which would be Umbrella Arts, okay. uh, and success in that would be to provide a um, financial stability um, would be one part of that success. Um, um, but to the, the great, which would be one part of it, because obviously we all need to eat and we okay. all need to pay bills, we all need to have our basic standards of living. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of one bit, yeah. um, but the main bit would be around uh, how many people you've actually in positively impacted on um, in in their life to through community arts. Um, my other hat would be Wendy Boyer's artist. Um, my level of su- success would be if I'm actually creating art, you know, because and sometimes that doesn't always happen. You know, I'm going through a period where I'm not creating as much art as I should do, really. Um, so I would regard myself as an unsuccessful artist because I'm not creating art. Um, okay. Do I, am I an artist? That's a question that's uh, troubled me for many years. Um, calling yourself an artist. Who, um, who, yeah, but who dictates that? Well, th- this was something that we uh, have had plenty of conversations about within like Cross Street Arts as a collective and um and i think eventually i just said to myself you know you know what is an artist what is an emergent artist you know what's classified as an emergent artist uh visual emerging visual artist i should say um and i would say anyone who's creating art in a thoughtful and inspiring way uh considered way probably the right word uh are artists um, somebody who is um, doing a bit of craft or a bit of, you know, well-being uh, art, in inverted commas, okay. uh, I wouldn't necessarily call an artist. Um, but don't we all have to start somewhere? Yeah. No, I, but I think it's the, the, the point where you become, uh, in, your, in your own mind, where you're not doing it as a hobby. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
You know, do you know what I mean? You can, yep. you can be, you can play football without having a title of being a footballer. Okay. Do you, do you know what I mean? I do. So if you say, right, well, I'm a footballer, um, and it's like, well, I play for me five-side hobby leisure club. And it's like, well, actually, you're not a footballer. You're doing it on a leisure activity. And you know what? That's fine. It's okay to do that. Um, it, it's, um, I suppose it's when you're considered and you're thoughtful and you're thinking about what your what impact you're trying to make with your art within the world, what you're trying to say, what is your voice, what is what, what do you want to tell the world with your art? Um, and that's quite different than, say, an artist who, a commercial artist that would draw a portrait or draw a picture of a dog or draw a picture of a house in in realistic kind of fashion. Mm. Um, they're not saying anything with their art. Right. It, it's a it's a pictorial representation of something that's actually there. But really, how important is it that that you change perception or you sort of? Um, I, I'm I'm, I'm not not really. It's not that important in, until you want to um, exhibit your work. You want to exhibit and become a, a known, well-known artist to sell your artwork at a higher price. I suppose to exhibit in um, you know that are higher up in the in the world of the arts. Uh, if you want to exhibit as a professional artist. Mm. Then at some point you're going to have to flip and say I'm an artist, and then work towards that. As far as the actual production of work, a label means nothing. Okay, so then, so you you go from your bedroom and you decide that the work that you are creating you want to exhibit. Yeah. Right, but the only people that have seen it, yeah, are family and friends. Yeah, and they've all gone. That's amazing. Oh, you you're a great artist. And then that person goes into the turnpike or any other other gallery yeah. that, and says my, like everybody i know says that i'm a great artist i want to exhibit you show your artwork and they go nah. ah um, because that that is the the yeah the, the the main trap for anybody that's the thing the good thing about that is that they will give you feedback of what it is mm. now your initial um i said i suppose feeling would be to go um really defensive over that feedback you know they might say oh you're not quite there you need to work on this i think you need to do this okay. and they'll give you that kind of feedback you might just look at it and go no get out of my shop <laughs> not everybody would do that though would they and, i mean some uh, might not even get a meeting. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. um but if you ask for feedback you know uh, always ask for feedback do you know what the process is just for anybody else that's wanting to become a um move from the bed bedroom their garage to becoming an exhibiting artist what because start, start with we've got to be honest here you don't exhibit <laughs> yeah right? and, and i'm and i'm not calling you out on that because it, it it's really important because this is what i was saying to you earlier yeah when you're you're dealing with oh it's just started raining uh, oh it's gonna get cozier i love rain but i hope it don't mess with the sound it shouldn't do so when it, uh, uh, so yeah so what, what the reason I mentioned that is because because I mean I don't either I mean I'm I'm kind of a, um, a very private creative I like to and this is what's weird about doing a podcast I am really private with my my art and it takes a lot for me to to put anything out there so and, and this it's crushing it's absolutely crushing because someone could go from the bedroom be told that they're great go to a gallery and they could go no or they could go to a you know anywhere. Well, I I think that's part of that process. I, I think everyone has got to be told no. Uh, I, I think if you told no, Wendy, <laughs> I'm not listening to you. No. Okay, see what I mean. <laughs> um, Whatever suits. <laughs> Money joking. Uh, no, I I do think everyone has got to be said told no, um, because you've got to learn how to deal with with that. We're not talking about being a parent now. No, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about being a parent. I'm, I'm talking about rejection, um, and it's the same if you were a drama and you were an actor. You would go to auditions and you would be going, "No, face doesn't fit." No, the same goes for galleries. You know, they have a particular style of artwork they're mm. looking for. It's a particular. Um, maybe they're just they're just full. Um, that you you know you want to do that, but the main way. The main, the first thing I, I would recommend, and obviously, like you say, I don't exhibit myself, which so, 
you know, people might just go, well, well, why are we listening to you, Wendy? Um, and that'd be like no, third point. I mean, that's not why no. I said it. It was more if you're part of the, you are actually going through a particular part of that process. Yeah. That's why, that's why I mentioned it. Um, but no, I, I, I think opens, um, exhibition, open exhibitions, um, would be, would be definitely part of that. Going to, um, your local um, gallery spaces. There's always some level of gallery, community space, exhibit. Mm. Um, you do all of that kind of um, uh, exhibiting. Okay. Learn how to curate. That curating an exhibition is a skill in itself, and not all artists are able to do it. So you know, I'm not. Um, I've never put myself in that in that that world and gone through that process. Very, very it's, process. It's a skill. It's a mm. skill to be able to put. A collection of lots of different things together to make it look visually interesting and you know exciting. Um, th- there's lots to learn. Just purely being able to produce great artwork on its own is not going to make you an artist. Okay. Um, I think just having that full knowledge of everything and that whole experience of putting your artwork in for an open exhibition maybe be rejected, may might get in. Um, that whole rejection is is part of it. You've got mm. to learn to get to used to used to that okay. because you will get rejected, and then you have to get back up, continue. Okay, but as long as you get feedback, I think that's that's mm. the priority. I mean, this this could be like for any 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 artist that wants to 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 go from like I said, go from the garage, the bedroom yeah. to exhibiting. They need to get feedback. Ask for feedback all the time. You're never yeah. going to get it. So I, um, I didn't know that. I wouldn't have known. Yeah, I'd have just been crushed. I'd have just been whimpering in my van, and I think crying <laughs> again. Big wuss <laughs> again. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, I, I do think it's important. I mean, this these are all little nuggets of information that that I, get, I mean, I wouldn't have known. It's a, it's a serious, it's a, a serious, but it's it's an important question to ask. <laughs> but that, where do you find the confidence? And like I said, for Rit. me, well, for yeah, you see, you, you say that's so easy, but I, I. I live with mental health challenges. I live with anxiety that's off the charts. So for me to put myself forward for that rejection, I'd go, nah, I'm good, thanks. I'd, I would much yeah. rather have a, a, a huge body of work that I don't take into the after that somebody else finds and goes, oh, this is interesting, look what he did. I would much rather do that. Well, that kind of leads on to, to, to me and not an exhibiting really. Doesn't okay. it as well because that's kind of why I didn't want to exhibit um, because I'm um, an abstract expressionist so okay. and I'm, I'm an, an emotional painter. I, I effectively. Are you happy that I never responded then when you said yeah. abstract impressionist? I, I responded in a positive way by being silent. Why? Why? <laughs> Continue. <laughs> What is an abstract impressionist, Wendy? Uh, well, I was commenting uh, about what it what it was. It's, oh. uh, I, I did I did say, Peter, okay. um, that it was Edgy. somebody who paints uh, emotions. Oh, okay, okay. And basically, would I would in a, on a basic description, I would say that I, uh, and and I can obviously only talk about me. Um, would I would. Um, transfer emotions into my paintings. Personal emotions. Personal emotions. Not other people's. No. Your personal emotions. My personal emotions. And that is my, you know, I I mean, I've been quoted many times saying my painting, my art saved my life. Mm. Um, And I wouldn't be here without it. Um, And you can definitely look at my paintings and see a a difference of um, colour use, shape use, depending on what kind of feeling and emotion I was okay. at the time. Um, does, this, does a particular style come out of those emotions? Yeah. Um, Rather than it just be, like you say, raw expressionism, do you, when, you, when you start a piece, are you thinking about the style in which your, your, your body of work no. is? Or you no. just it's no, okay. it's no preconceived, which is why I kind of like not doodling. even color palettes or anything. No, no, the, the, no. Um, okay. The thing I look at is I have my selection of colors, mm. and I do tend to go right back to greens, blues, um, and and those kind of colors. Why? Um, 
uh, not from a um, uh, thoughtful process. It's not. Um, it's not created that way. But I would be. I would look at my selection of paintings. My some metal. I would look at my selection of uh, paint, and I would feel drawn to a certain color. So it's got. It's, it's an emotional response to a color. Okay. Um, so therefore, I would choose colors from an emotional response, not from a preconceived thoughtful those two colors looped nice together it, it doesn't work like that um okay. I, w- I would choose from an emotional point of view um and then i would have certain techniques that i would use so i would use my fingers i'd like i like the thick um uh, layered uh, approach I, I think that looks interesting so i suppose that's um that's a preconceived uh, idea. That's more part of your methodology rather than yeah, the, the actual piece like itself. The actual piece. It, yeah. It's it's a, they're probably the things that I do all the time. So I might mix in glue and flour um, to to really thicken up those, those paints. Okay. Um, and then layer up, and I would always work on the floor um, because obviously I don't want any drips. So so if you thick. use flour, if yeah. you put your piece of artwork in an oven. Yeah. And baked it for twenty minutes on gas mark eight. Would we see cake? Uh, no. Right. That's all I wanted to know. That that would be <laughs> my level of engagement. Every time I saw one of your pieces, I'd be thinking, "You wouldn't want to eat it. It's been mixed confectionery up with." Ah, uh, of course yeah, not. Do you know what no, I mean? no, no, of course not. It That's my naivete. Right there. It wouldn't taste very nice. <laughs> um, and plus, it's got no sugar and egg in it. But the sugar is the love that you put into every piece, right? <laughs> So and there's my level of it. cheese. <laughs> I don't, don't want cheese either, innit? <laughs> Are we really doing this? This is a serious podcast about art, creativity, and the community arts. I just want everybody to remember that just as we're all giggling. All yeah. meaning us two. Us two. Um, but yeah, so, um, so I went through a process where I haven't ex- exhibit, and I would only exhibit with my own um, arts collective, Cross Street Arts. Um, and what, uh, and is there a reason for that? Um, I felt compelled that I had to support them as a collective, and that okay. kind of overrode my anxieties over nobody's going to like it anyway. Uh, and my oh, fate, so it was like a support. It was more support. Right, so I was okay. doing it for somebody else rather than doing it for me. So yeah. it made my head um, cope with cope it. With, yeah, cope All with right. that. Um, I empathise with that. Weirdly enough, I actually sold my first painting in the first exhibition. I was made up. I was like, oh, maybe this can work then. And then uh, not long after that, there were certain life events that happened. And I kind of withdrew and went back into my little shell, my little hole. But then still created, started creating lots of art. Based Um, on what you were feeling at the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, And I would... um, we have uh, artist discussions so um, that we have as, as a group um, and it's like a weird kind of therapy, I suppose, in, from an art-specific kind of point of view. Mm. And we would talk about our problems, anything that we're, we're struggling with or ideas or we want some Personal opinions. Personal or creative. No, creative. Okay. All relating to your artwork. Okay. Um, and one of my issues was the fact that I kind of felt like I wanted to get some exhibiting doing, but I just didn't know how. I didn't know. I didn't want to explain my artwork. I think that was it, because okay. it was quite personal and 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 quite sad in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but the um, people would ask me, "Oh, what was this painting about?" And I'm like, oh, "I don't really want to do that." And then that stopped me from exhibiting. Do you think that's why many artists leave their work untitled? Do you think that's why? Because they don't. They want to leave it up to the viewer. The viewers' perceptions of what that piece of art means to them, rather than give a long title or a title that explains everything. Um, I think. Oh, I don't know. That, um, sometimes it can just be artwork being churned out very, very quickly. Oh, um, okay. And then you know, there's lots of untitled artworks in, in that. Okay. I I like I like giving titles to my artwork because I want to give some basis of of explanation. But I I did. 
come round to the view is actually I want to, I do want to see what the viewer wants. I do want to see what their their thoughts are around my paintings. Mm. So me not being able to talk about it actually worked worked with that. So um but then I had to say to myself, he's like, Do I have to explain it? You know, do, do I? You know, and I felt compelled that I had to explain it and there was a reason and it was all earth shattering and Mm. And I kind of went, no, I don't have to explain it, actually. And gaining that control was actually, and obviously a length amount of time. It's like two years since that huge amounts of uh, of, outburst of work Mm. uh, that I had, um, you know, to now. So it's like two years ago that. So I feel like I'm emotionally past that, those kind of traumatic events that I feel like now I can exhibit. But it's it's not only trauma that gives you that emotional pulse to create art is it you, you are capable of creating abstract imp- yeah <laughs> yeah abstract um, art from from a positive situation yeah, as well yeah right, yeah okay. de- yeah definitely um and i think that's for me personally is part of that process mm. um and i think again it's, it's that impulsiveness that it if that i have to do it mm. do you know what i mean I, it's it's something that if i don't create art then i start feeling a bit unwell and uh, like mentally unwell and and i don't feel like i've got a chance to kind of speak and have a voice and talk mm. and um it, yeah but i mean yeah it, 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 it's an impulsiveness in me mm. whereas um and i think that's the difference between somebody who's an artist and a not an artist okay that somebody who's not an artist but is a good drawer yeah um who does it as a hobby mm. um that they might not do it for a few months and doesn't have any impact on whether they do or they don't. Mm, okay. Um, and I think that's... That's an interesting point, actually. Given one of our previous points about that, that knowing whether you are an artist or not is I think you don't question it. You create art and you don't label yourself an artist. Mm. You just create you art. create art. Yeah, rather than go... I'm an artist, and, and then Let's carry, now go and do carry the yeah carry the the title and, and tell everybody that that's what you are. You show, yeah. show, don't tell. Yeah, yeah. So an art, an art, and that's what I'm saying. It's like it's that impulsiveness. It's that you are an artist. Mm. Um, you um, you just need to develop your personal style, your yeah. personal goals, and um, and you would do it regardless. Mm. You know, I don't exhibit, and I'm still creating artwork. Okay. Um. So, you know, artists, I would say, that only create work for exhibitions, um, that not only does that, then art, I'm also question mark that as well and go, mm, you know, what, what really? individual artwork are you doing? Okay. You know, what, what are you doing? What's your voice? If you're always doing it for an exhibition, that's somebody else's exhibition that wants to say a voice or a talk about or you something. Look at, or you look at someone like Damien Hurst, who, who just for me personally, just does it for that sensationalism, does it yeah. for that media, the big books, the getting the big money, you know, what does he do in the background? What does he, what other work does he do? And another thing is that when you get to a certain level of artist, you then have workshops, you have people that will construct your art for you. You just come up with the ideas and then they will actually create it. Now, yeah, is do. he an artist? Um, just because you come up with ideas? And other people actually execute the art. I, I Are you still say, an artist? I would say, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would okay. say so. Yeah. Well, I named someone then. Name not dropped. Well done, I know. Um, no, not well done. It went for Anthony that. Gormley. I do know. Do you know what I mean? You know, he he doesn't create his artwork. That's what the question was. Um, so, I, I have got I no would, preconceived idea. I of. would say definitely he is an artist. Um, just because he doesn't have the manufacturing process. Um. There's several artists that don't actually create physically their own artwork. I think most of the most of the top ones, wise, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like Dave, like um, Damien Hurst. Damien Hurst, sorry, yeah. totally forgot for the moment. David uh, Hibbertson. <laughs> we'll call him that from now on, so we don't get into trouble. And uh, if there's someone called David Hibbertson that's listening to this, we're not talking about you. I've just made that name up. Apologies. Um, you know, he, he's not going to get the, the the kind of the. Um, all the all the liquids and mm. the heart is what I can't think what the, the range. Word. Yeah, you're not. He's, he's, he's not, not going to get that. He's not going to walk into the range, is he, and pick his like a chainsaw. He's not there with his chainsaw cutting up a, a cow or anything like that. You know, mm. he's 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 got staff to to do, to do that. But his ideas are his ideas. It's still his creation. No, it's not though. An idea is just an idea. The person that executes the idea is the one that should get the credit. 
not credit, but should be seen as the one that actually is the the creator. Okay, then what about somebody who's got disabilities then? What do you mean? What if somebody's physically disabled and... um, You're just adding another variable to oppose my argument, I I, feel. That's exactly what I'm doing. But that's a different situation. If if you are capable, if you are capable of still creating that art, I believe that you should still do that and, and be... But that's only my, my own. What about Anthony Gormley then? Should he have to uh, learn the whole process of, you know, um, yes. to, to, to physically do that, get his own forge um, to do those casting and stuff like that? Why not? I think he probably, do, he probably would know how to do it. Yeah, but why not? Isn't that part of the whole creative journey is learning and getting, getting your hands in the thick of it, because that's that's where all the sensation comes from. You talk about using your fingers with your paint and mixing. I think mixing it depends on what, what kind of art you've got, though. Does it? Um, because, like, for me, no one else could create my artwork. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter how big or how successful and mm. uh, how expensive my paintings would sell for. I would still have to be that person because it's my physical, mm. emotional transference of a paint, uh, emotions into a painting. Yeah. So that could I, never, I empathize with that. So I, I could never do that. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, though, personally, either. And it's not because, I mean, I don't put, I very rarely put my stuff out there anyway. And when I do, I, I, I like, like we talked about the other day, we, like you curled up inside when anybody either compliments you or buys anything that you've done. So I very rarely put, put anything out there anyway. I should be more media driven than I am. I have got an immense body of work that, that nobody's seen. And okay. I should be out there, but I don't. But I like the process. I don't. I'm not. Bo- I'm not too bothered about the end result of actually getting the money. I'm actually more bothered that I've got it in me mm-hmm. to create constantly. Create art, whether it's paintings, digital art, whether it's doodling, whatever it is. And another another thing for me is I love creating products. I love creating the books. Mm-hmm. I like writing, and I like you know actually mm-hmm. the journey of discovery. And I think that's what comes from. You know, getting your hands in, getting your hands dirty, and learning the process. You find yeah. you find new things out about yourself in that process. I I, I think it is, and um, I think there's a disconnect with an artist that will give their idea to a workshop. It, obviously, it's their workshop, and they understand the artist. But just to give that idea to them and let them like action it, I think I think there's a disconnect in 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 that that physical piece of art. I suppose it's how big that that particular artist is as well, you know. Um, and it, and it's quite different, you know. Damon Hurst, he he's like he broke has broken all records, hasn't he? You know, so we're in uncharted territory, I suppose, of financial uh, records. Financial records of you know. Thank you, Charles li- Living living artists, because like artists only really made the money after when they were dead. Um, whereas. Um, but they didn't sell to what, what they would sell today, would they? Do you know what I mean? Millions I like and millions and millions of pounds. You know, Picasso's written a, a testimonial in my book. Yeah. I'll put it out there. I, Isn't that uh, good? That's lovely. That's I know, really I know. Kind of him. Sorry, I feel like I cut you up then. I didn't mean to. It was just, I mentioned Picasso and I went all a bit weird because I like him. <laughs> I do like Picasso. David Hockney, mm. good example. Still creates himself. Um, uses the latest technology. But then he also doesn't as well, you know. He, he, his um, digital prints, I can't imagine him being on the printer, pressing uh, send prints and then putting those in frames. Nobody did create the art. He did actually sit in his car for an exorbitant, that's not even a word. Exorbitant? I don't even know what I was, what's the word? Exorbitant. I see. An immense, we'll stick with immense amount of time. Yeah, yeah, no, it was him that he sat he in his created. car with his iPad. So he's still creating the work. He's still in touch with that, that iPad and, and using the digital software. He, he, he put himself in the, the environment of actually still creating the work. The, the, the end product, the printing, that's, that's like a small part of it. But you're talking of, of other artists that, well, that do it the other way um, around. Okay, so what about Anthony Gormley then uh, and his creation of his sculptures? Okay. Um, so he was the beginning, the hand with the drawer, the pencil, was created the image. No, that's an idea. Uh, of that's a of what he wants. Yeah, no, that's a doodle. You know, specific wants, how it goes in the machine and how he wants it, 3D levels and all that. Mm. And then he just hands it over to actually be physically produced. What's the difference? 
I think there's a big difference in <laughs> sending a, a picture to print than actually creating a, a, a sculpture that takes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours to create. I just, I just feel that the process, for me anyway, I, I'm, I mean, I'm only talking for me, I'm not talking for anybody else. I just feel like the process, but, but that again, I love that process. I yeah. love like using new materials and, and, and seeing the results. Um, but I suppose when you've got 70 years of, of experience in that, you know what the result's going to be. Mm. You know what the process is as well, don't you? I suspect. So maybe he's not getting the enjoyment from the process as, as much as he did. So then why create art? But then you're in the in that little uh, hamster wheel, then, aren't you? I suppose to a certain yeah. extent, where the, the world is is requesting and needs certain something from that person. But that is a lovely segue into one of the points that I wanted to discuss, and that is an artist in this new media, social media driven world, where you have to be a particular image or be seen to be prolific you have to be seen to be constantly creating art and being entertaining and doing your instagram stories and your facebook stories and i I, I mean for me personally i just don't understand how people find the time to do all of the above and still create art that's what it is poo tubing -tubing. i poo tube but i don't but i don't create art on the toilet no, you create social media posts. I don't create social media posts. And now, every time I see one of your social media posts, I'm going to be freaked out. So, have we discussed community no, arts? No, not really. Well, it's this just... is, to be honest, this is what I wanted this to be, just a conversation, you know. And we'll always touch on, like, different different topics. Community heart. Uh, community hearts. Oh, a minute. Let me finish. Community oh, arts. Doggers are here. Community arts. You can't call them that. That's not going to be on the podcast. You can't say that. <laughs> Lovely people, honestly. They're in though because they're yeah. interested. What they No, but I would. We're yeah. actually we're in a van in the middle of nowhere, recording a podcast and filming it as well. So, um, when did you decide that you wanted to be uh, an advocate for community arts? Um, when I realised. That there wasn't any strong um, voice for it, I suppose, for my son. For your son? For my son. Um, That's what drove me to it initially. Um, It's been quite different after after that. Why was it Um, important for for him particularly? um, Well, so we're talking like 11 years ago, 12 years ago. Daniel was, um, you know, uh, three a four-year-old and Daniel has um who's my eldest son and Daniel has I was born with cerebral palsy right um he had a stroke whilst I was pregnant with him and was born with cerebral palsy and uh brain damage so when um did not know that he did not know that bit no I know the story as well but I did not know that bit yeah um yeah when between between 20 weeks and 26 weeks okay um that's where his brain stopped working so that's where they can determine when when he had a stroke and he lost like two-thirds of his the middle bit of his brain okay on his on his right on his left side which has affected his right side uh movements right side. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, so I mean, I didn't know this at the time. No. I had a tiny bleed and everything's looped and went, yeah, everything's fine. Mm. Well, actually, what we know now was that was when the he indicator. Had a yeah. Oh, no way. Um, but he was, yeah, anyway, he, he presents incredibly well. I was going to know. We all we all know him. And if, you know, Daniel's <sighs> D-Dog. <funny>, loud. <laughs> he is. He has. He's, he's, he's quite awesome in here, really. <laughs> he has now subsequently been diagnosed with also epilepsy, di- uh, diagnosed with autism and ADHD. So okay. he has quite a collection. We uh, might get uh, him on, you know. <laughs> do you know what, though? I, was, I said this to Joe the other day. I mentioned that. I said to him, would he want to do... Um, a, a podcast about a young yeah, lad yeah. wanting to make it on YouTube. That would be a great one. And yeah. just so you know, Dan, Joe is my youngest son. Yeah, uh, I have two boys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so but 
at back then, um, all the, all the um, preschool initiatives and clubs and mm. groups were all around physical activity, um, which I agree with. Um, but, you know, I had a little lad who got tired really quickly and, and he was really creative like his mum, but there wasn't anything. Um, there was some very basic sticking and gluing shizzle mm. at the library which we attended and you know we enjoyed it but you know it wasn't really you know thought or, or, you know, yeah. there wasn't it wasn't, wasn't going to change, change the world yeah, you know yeah. you know so um and also it, once that happened um there was nothing for him to move on to uh, as well which was really sad so that was the beginning of it and when daniel started school um it was a, a good friend of mine um who basically said you need to make something. Um, and she knew I was a bit like um, a kind of a pipe piper of kids. And I was always the, the goofball, the silly one. It was a, it was a group of, of, of people together with kids and family and friends. It was always me being the daft goofball and being silly with the kids while all the grown-ups were talking mm. serious. And it was always me being the daft one. Yeah. Um, so couple so that's why that. we work well together because I'm exactly the same. <laughs> I'm a bit of a and much bit prefer to talk to the kids than than talk serious with the grown ups. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that off the back of that, I started um, holiday clubs for um, half term school kids, and then I started uh, after school clubs at schools, um, and then I went back to uni, qualified as a as a teacher. Um, realized um, my place was absolutely not in a school. I hated education, art education in schools. Why? What um, parts? It was because this is an interesting topic for me. Um, it, it, the fact that it, they were being sucked out mm. of, of of education. You know, e-backs came in around that same time. And art is not uh, a priority at all. Is it? Not a priority subject. Mm. Um, so I've felt my be- my place. I couldn't support that. Mm. Um, and I didn't last very long as a supply teacher in schools. Um, and I made a choice to leave and run away very, very quickly. Um, and, but then obviously that left me like, what else to do? What, what did I, what, what did I want to do? Okay. And that's where community arts, um, became much more prevalent. Um, and I decided to that, you know, back then I always wanted my own art studio to be able to offer all these different workshops, but, various reasons mentally unable to be able to do that and my confidence being incredibly low even though kind of secretly i knew i could do it um i just kept slowly slowly working towards it okay um getting knocked down getting myself back up again being let down by other people promised the world by others yeah and then never receiving it and then Again, this is that that rejection thing I was talking about. It's mm. it really does rejection and disappointment. It and, has to be yeah. part of that journey of it because because if it's all given to you on a plate, you don't appreciate what you've what you've actually got there. Um, That's a life lesson as well, though. It's, it's yeah. a considerable yeah. life lesson, yeah. And, and also, it wheedles out the people that really, really want to do it. Yeah, it's true. Well. You know, it was easy; everyone would do it. You know, mm. like setting up a podcast in a van. <laughs> Yeah. With two microphones when one of the wires is thinner than the other. Let it go, Pete. Anyway, so um, continue with your... So I got offered a, um, a self-employed role um, teaching art to adults with disabilities. Okay. Um, and obviously, Where was that? Uh, this was at a uh, day provision in in Wigan, okay. um, and I did several days a week there. Um, but as I became more experienced uh, and more knowledgeable, I realised actually it's I do really want to do something for myself. Um, you know, so although I loved my job there, I loved my role, and I loved the adults and I loved the people, I just thought. I could develop something very specific mm. that could support adults with disabilities, but also mainstream um, adults as well, because I felt okay. uh, that wasn't working. And also at the same time, I had a job as a uh, adult education teacher at Lowton High School mm. um, that I taught abstract art. And again, these people, little pinnacle people that help you in your life, Steve was one of them. Right. You know, because no one taught abstract arts in adult education. How can you teach abstract art? <laughs> um, I suppose what I do is give them the opportunity and influences of what happened, what has happened before in the past, okay. but allow them a space to be expressive, allow them to, to start that journey. Okay. But I, I had 
an op- the opportunity given to me because I put to them a abstract art class and they were like, oh, we've never done this before. Right. Not sure what the interest is going to be, and I. Got, what was the reason? <laughs> um, because nobody, it wasn't the dumb thing. It was watercolors, trees, mm. landscapes, like commercial, focusing on almost commercial <laughs> illustration kind of art rather yeah. than. Yeah, no, yeah, there's nothing personal expression. And, yeah, yeah, there's nothing like that. Okay, um, and it's just because that's the way it's always been. We've had twenty year history of watercolors. Do you know what I mean? There was tutors there that had been there a long time doing mm. the same thing okay. for that length of time. You know, do you, talking- feel, do you feel like I'm getting away with it in uh, some ways? We'll not talk about your that environment for you because you'll probably still know those people and they will be influencers and peers. But do you feel like that is a case for art education? as it stands right now, that the, the art teachers and tutors are just getting away with... Well, there was nothing There was nothing moving on for it and tying mm. it in with everyday life. So okay. whilst it was um, the, the great workshops and people enjoy them, mm. you know, at the end of the day, that's what adult education was around. It they was always about get something from Learning it, about something and enjoying and getting out the house and doing something. Okay. So, you know, it ticked all the boxes for that. Um, but I kind of wanted to link up quite a few different uh, things. So like going um, to see exhibitions or having other arty friends to do arty things with. Um, so giving that breadth community. of knowledge yeah. And, yeah, and experience. And it was like tying in all those little pockets of things that I've, I'm interested in. Okay. So that's, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, priorities changed within um, government funding and arts courses were... Axed. Creative courses were, weren't they? Yeah, no, anything drama, anything the lot. creative went. Um, yeah. And anything computer-based, engineering-based, um, funding went to, to them instead. Okay. Um, so that kind of gave me, like two years ago, the, the, the big kick up the bump, I suppose, that I had to do something because, A, I needed a job. Mm. Um, I needed to pay my bills. But also, I'd had, you know, years at that point, what? Um, seven years of lots of different experience working with adults with disabilities, working with mainstream adults, working with kids. I previously, before I had the children, was a training manager for a card shop. Okay. Um, and I'd worked with them for 10 years. So I'd had lots of retail experience in that, in that time um, as a store manager and as well as a training manager. So Why did you leave there? No, I loved my job, um, but I left because of Daniel's disability. That's that's kind of what happened. Right, okay. So that's where Umbrella Arts kind of came from. Yeah. Um, And we started, I I had my little plan of what I wanted to do. I wanted to create a a shop. Mm. I wanted to create an art centre. I wanted to create a place that a child can start uh, in uh, as a toddler and basically stick with their entire life. Um, so there was no need to go anywhere else. There was this continuum of influences throughout their life, and and they can have different influences uh, depending on what stage of life they're at. Okay. And this is what we've got now, hmm. which so I'm chuffed to pieces that we've we created have. this now. And I'm happy to be part of that you, as well. And obviously I love you're it. Uh, part of our oh, no, after it. school clubs uh, yeah, and stuff. It. And, yeah. um, and, it, and it's, it's, it's just amazing. And I lift heavy things as well. Yeah, I'm you really do the water, but don't you? Yeah, I do. That's very useful. Yeah, that's another story. That's potentially another break pod. a girly nail, pod. do I? <gasps> oh, that's a tough thing to have Feminist on a podcast. I'm not even sure we can even put that that's on the podcast. Really. Even though, yeah. <laughs> You've, but you've, anyway, right. anyway, so we've I'm got. I'm going to write that down. Um, umbrella arts, nails. and then, and then obviously we've created, you know, the shop that 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 is now an amazing opportunity for um, people to be able to um, start their creative journey and sell and uh, artwork okay. and prints and things like that. And I think, you know, like you're saying about where, where do you begin? Where do you start with these people? And I feel like we're at that point now where we've got so much knowledge with. From, from myself just as, as a person, but all the other people that we, we are linked in with. You mm. know, I'm really conscious of never being an island. Um, and you have to work within your community with the other community groups and be able to be big enough, I suppose, to pass members on if what we're doing isn't suitable, suitable for, for them. them at that time. 
And yeah. and I think that's really important as well. Yeah. Um, but being friends with your, your, your other community groups is really, really, I find really, okay. really important. But not everybody feels the same way. A lot of people see their little, their little, that wasn't being disrespectful, but their no. enterprise, yeah. their enterprise is a walled garden and they yeah. don't want other people peering in and seeing what they're up to. So, so that makes it really difficult. I mean, one of the reasons that I want to do this podcast, and it's actually in the intro, is I want to create a UK, for now, a UK-based collective, in, uh, a, a creative collective initiative where instead of it being a wall garden, we do create this depth of knowledge about what's happening in your community as far as creativity goes, because it's really important that people know that these things exist. Yeah. Um, and, and why can't somebody, if, I, if I'm a, a user of the service, why can't I pop into your group on a Wednesday morning and then go to someone else on a, on a Thursday afternoon? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It gets, it gets, one of the things I've noticed that, that is there is certain organisations that are more cliquey than, than others. Okay. Um, Do you know why that is though? Um, is there something that you know if they made a little change? Then, I, I then... think it tends to come from the insecurities. Um, and I would know that. And I'd say that from my experience for myself from the very beginning. Okay. You know, gosh, nine years ago when I was starting up kids' groups, if anybody else had a kids' group near mm. me, I'd be like, why are they doing that there? They're copying off my ideas. And mm. I was so defensive and I was just like, eh. Were and they stealing your ideas, they were stealing do you think? my ideas. Yeah. Um, book in book, there. Book name drop. Book, book in there somewhere. I'll tell you all about that later, um, But I was so defensive over that, whereas I don't think that now. Mm. You know, I think, oh, what have they got to offer that we don't have? Is it something we can work together with? Mm. Is it something, you know, that we can is that collaboration? But has that? that come from you now being solid in what you are? Whereas before, you were like, you, you weren't 100% sure about what was going on. So, but the more you've developed your brand, the more the, the stronger your enterprise has become, yeah. the less insecure you've I'd become in that yes. way. Um, it, it's definitely, definitely now we're at, we're at Spinners and we have, we have our own amazing mm. space and obviously waiting to go upstairs to mm. grow even more. Definitely my confidence has grown from that. And then when but, you allow me to have that space as my studio, then afterwards, yeah, I get, I yeah, get where you come and, from. And, Recorded and, now that you said, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but I, I think that we, when we, we were in Leeway before, you know, a community centre in the middle of Lee yeah. uh, as a part-time office space. And, and again, those nuggets of opportunities that, um, of, and then somebody else has helped me with that. And mm. to be gracious enough to accept that help, you know, I think that, comes with that cliqueiness where they don't want to accept help they want to do it all on their own and you know no man is an island and it's something that you, you do have to remind yourself of mm. um but no my confidence grew from that point in i would say because that gave me the belief to then move on to my, my full-time permanent base okay um but yeah i think insecurities do you think it's a sliding scale the the, the the more experience you've got and, and the more solid you become in your your business that those insecurities kind of fade away so would that be yeah. something that's that that's the same for creatives as well for artists that the the more that they find a, a marketplace for themselves the less insecure they'll be the, yeah, the less yeah, anxious they'll be the more you find your, confident. Your tribe, don't you you yeah. find your tribe don't you um you know and i think that's what happened with me from my own personal point of view from cross street mm. and having those abstract artists and having some having professional artists that really can challenge what i'm thinking about in, in conversations and okay. having that support and, and stuff it's definitely made a positive impact on, on me did you see a difference in your art as well through those experiences or not um, I actually did more art because of okay. those experiences. So I would say probably, yeah, then. Because um, your confidence was being fed, do you think? Or was it just more about? Giving people the opportunity to have somewhere to work from. Uh, okay. And I think that's probably why, you know, what I, we've done together, you yeah. know, around giving you a space to, to be able to work. Oh, absolutely. Um, be because I see the difference it, it created in mm. me. Um, and I saw, you know, what was done for me is uh, to be mindful of that, you know, that it was off the back of, of other people's support that I am where I am now. So mm. therefore, it's my, I feel, and this is just me, uh, it's my duty to therefore help then the next generation. Absolutely. You know, I'm not going to just take and accept it, grab it and run mm. uh, with it all, which I could do, okay. you know what I mean? But 
where's where's that going to end? Mm. <laughs> you know, if we all did that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thing. So it's not my. And the thing is, for bag. for a lot of us, for for a lot of creatives and a lot of artists that do want to make something of themselves, they don't want to be huge success, but they do want something of their own to be proud of. They can't. They don't always have a space in which they can flourish. Yeah. And that's a stumbling block. That's a thing that will prevent them from being from the person you know, that they meant absolutely. to be. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've I found having a desk at Umbrella Arts has allowed me to start this podcast. We've had some discussions about moving the book forward. You know, I, it's a space where if I want to, I can do a book launch. It's it's allowed me just that little bit of a step forward. Whereas before, for three years before, I didn't do anything because I saw everything as a as an obstacle. Yeah, I didn't a challenge. Have, yeah. A challenge that I couldn't deal with, and it prevented me from creating creating any more work. But since having that that little space, I've done a lot more. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm feeling a lot more positive as well. And if you can imagine that by say somebody who's working full time, mm. um, who's it's got quite a stressful life home environment due to maybe caring duties or, you know, caring for a, an elderly mother or, you know, a, a friend or a neighbor or, you know, something else. And it might just be that, you know, it could be money. It could be that you're working 50 hours a week minimum wage just to make ends meet and you're knackered and you're tired. And But if we go, right, we're going to give you this space every mm. Wednesday night. You're going to come here. You've got two hours. You're going to talk and be creative with other people mm. and have that social engagement without any obstacle know, any yeah. yeah there's no no preconceived list of ideas and uh, to do you have to do this no it's not just come on chill mm. out hang out with us create some art don't create some art maybe just the conversation is the art that yeah, you're going to do that week um but to have that carve that two hours a week out now we've got that opportunity to be able to give that to people mm. and that's really nice to be able to do so i know those people in our groups have that positive uh, impact yeah and I think that's really important because that's what the successful community businesses, community creative businesses need to do, need to open the doors to somebody that might just be a crafter, that might just have that something else mm-hmm. that they might want to level up. I mean, you've seen it. You've seen yeah. it in people that they've come along and, oh, I just want to, not just, but I, I want to get involved in just doing this or this particular craft. Yeah. And then they've gone, Oh, can I try the paintball? Or can I just try doing ceramics? Or and then they've grown as a personal, private, creative, and artist. Do you know what? It's like we're having a Saturday, where, and that is that's one of the reasons why we do the Saturdays paint a pot mm. because paint a pot is like a universal stable. You know, wherever wherever you go on a on a you know a day out or you know touristy places there's a painter pot yeah. you know it's it's one of the places you're going to get everywhere um so i know it's a it's a it's a hook uh, it, it's something that people know they see they're comfortable with mm. um and that's what brings people in on a saturday there are no barriers to actually creating it because yeah. they already have a, 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 a happy, idea. happy preconceived idea yeah, about the process yeah but I always wanted that to be the hook. Mm. Um, and then once they're in, then we can have that open discussion. What else do you like to do? Do you like doing the paint pours? Do you want to, you know, and the paint pours are so exciting and, mm. and really well used. But, you know, nobody goes out and say, I want to do a paint pour. I want to do abstract art. But once they're doing it, they yeah. go, oh, this is really quite fun. This is actually much more exciting than I actually thought it was going to be in the first place. Yeah. Um, and if, you 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 are open to those uh, occasions happening because of paint a pot, um, which is quite interesting. And then those kids that kind of then come off at the back of that for to do the after school clubs and say, oh, do you know what we do this? Then we do animation, we do mm. um, all these other things, and it's like, oh right, oh, oh okay, yeah, we'll yeah. come back absolutely. And, you know, and how many times do we have the same thing with people coming back in and they're doing something different every time and mm. you know and, and i suppose because we've created this quite chilled environment you know it's Rela- like sort of no not many rules no rules apart there. from <laughs> yeah know? just be respectful and yeah. no bullying but be as creative as you want you know it's like do we do we can, can we only stay an hour do we have what how long have we got and it's like yeah. no no do we have to come do we have to pre-book do we have to know all these kind of questions that Mm. are normally the structured and strict and rules Mm. and and it's like no come but then on the other side you've got the after school clubs you've got the different age groups you've got the other side of it where like during the week people do come for an hour that is structured that's Mm. a 
defined yeah, that's time. defined time that's nice. and group and even a narrative for each of the groups but then you have that one day where it's for want of a better expression a free-for-all you can yeah. just a creative free-for-all yeah yeah so to have both is important as well because then whoever engages on a saturday can then enter a structured creative environment during the week if they want to mm. And it's and it's developing as it as it goes, you know. I mean, it's like we had those, uh, and 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 that's what I love about it. And if you too contrived with your rules and set timetables, you you miss these opportunities, you know. And it was like you know the girls that come on a Saturday because they can't come in the week, yeah, uh, for the after school club. So therefore, they come every Saturday instead, yeah, you know. And that's something like we don't advertise. It's just been an organic kind of creation where a group of girls are now starting to come okay. on a Saturday. So I think if you too too strict with your timetabling then you miss those well well for me that actually goes against what being a creative is being a creative and 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 allowing your your mind to think freely you can't have rules you can't be in an environment that that is stifling Mm -hmm. can you so you have to have that environment as a as a a creative to be able to produce your best work yeah you know me I, i struggle with rules full stop so basically, I think we've done an hour and nearly 12 minutes of okay. the first podcast, uh, actual recording sound. Now we've got a microphone okay. working. So I would like to thank Wendy for joining me on this very first The Doodle podcast podcast. And I'd like to thank everybody out there that's got to the end and has listened. I hope you found it informative, entertaining, and I genuinely hope that you download and listen to the second one. The second podcast will be a little bit different. Um, it's going to be with my good friend, Andy Longdon, who is an amazing, amazing artist, an incredible tattooist. And together we've supported each other since university in just being nothing more than just good friends who can chat about pretty much anything and have a giggle. So hopefully that'll come across in the podcast. So take care. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye, doodle peeps. Bye.